0: This episode includes discussion of suicide. Please keep this in mind when deciding if, how, and when you'll listen. For mental health resources, visit spotify.com
1: resources. In the 1990s, an excommunicated member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints proclaimed himself a prophet who planned to take over the church and usher in the second coming of Christ. The so-called prophet was Glenn Taylor Helzer,
0: He also said that he was going to defeat Satan and bring peace and joy to Earth. For his mission, he would need lots of money, as well as help from his crew. They called themselves the Children of Thunder.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Sinister Societies, a Spotify original from Parcast. I am still Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. Every week we're going to cover your favourite cults, faith followers and secret societies. We'll look at how some of the biggest secretive societies and cults have made their fortunes. And how they've also managed to run in plain sight and permeate into your everyday life. Today we're going to tell you about The Children of Thunder and its founder, Glenn Taylor-Helzer. We'll get into his early life as a devout member of the LDS church who could recite scriptures from a young age. And we'll
0: also get into how his experience in the self-awareness movement motivated him to create his 12 principles of magic. Helzer also managed to convince his few followers to kill people in order to prevent the apocalypse. And one of those followers
1: was his own brother. Do you understand the amount of self-restraint it took for me to say Children of Thunder? And not. Children of Thunder. (laughs) Like, I think by far, it's the best name we've come across. It is the best
0: name. It is the best name. It's, yeah, I'm trying to think, and it's a good name.
1: Thunder. Children of Thunder. Have you ever played Thunderstruck? No. You'd hate it. (laughs) Um, It's it's a drinking game. Oh. Right. So, Thunderstruck Mm -hmm. is a song by ACDC. Okay. And the game Mm -hmm. is that every time they say the word thunder, you have to drink. Oh, going round in a circle
0: well then maybe let's make it a fun game today (laughs) where every time we say children of thunder people at home
1: shot (laughs) shot 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 there's a good six bars i think where it's just thunder over over and over over again so if you get if you get that you are in hospital thunderstruck you've been thunderstruck you have been thunderstruck yeah Before we get into Glenn Taylor Helzer or even playing Thunderstruck altogether and his brother Justin's early years, we just wanted to mention because there's not much reporting on their early lives, our research has mostly come from the books The False Prophet, Conspiracy, Extortion, and Murder in the Name of God by Claire Booth, and the book Unholy Sacrifice by Robert Scott. So let's get into the Helzer brothers' early years and how they became the Children of Thunder. <laughs>
0: Glenn Taylor Helzer, known commonly as Taylor, was born in July 1970. His brother Justin was born in February 1972. And they also had a younger sister named Heather. Their father was an insurance salesman, and their mother was a stay at home mum, who occasionally worked as a physical therapist. They were devout followers of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, also known, of course, as the Mormon Church. Taylor was reportedly the favourite child in his house growing up and it's said that he could quote from the lds scriptures from a very early age nerd and that he was also incredibly charming
1: (sighs) justin helzer has been described as someone who was shy and awkward and who allegedly lived in taylor's shadow the family moved around but eventually settled in a town about 40 minutes east of san francisco When the kids were in their teens, they lived for a while with their maternal grandfather, who was also a devout member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The grandfather said that he once actually saw Jesus in the flesh. Uh, The big JC appeared in their grandfather's front yard one day and hung around there for a few hours, apparently, because Jesus Christ has literally nothing better to do. Taylor wanted to be as spiritual as his grandfather, and he would feel guilty when he sinned, particularly when he masturbated. According to the Robert Scott book, the guilt Taylor felt from, quote, sinning took him to the point of attempting suicide when he was a teenager. Which I don't know the LDS doctrine on suicide, but generally Christians... It's kind of one of the big bad ones that you're mm. not really allowed to do. That's true. So according to
0: later commentary by psychiatrist Dr. Douglas Tucker, by the age of 14, Taylor was hearing messages and told others that he had the gift of revelation, but that he wasn't sure if he was hearing messages from God or from Satan. In 1987, when he was just 17, Taylor joined the National Guard, but he wasn't impressed with being surrounded by so much cursing and drinking. So he allegedly preached to members of his unit about their sins. Bet they loved that. Justin, his younger brother, reportedly liked to do everything his brother did. So in 1989, when he was 17, he also joined the National Guard. His time in the National Guard overlapped with the start of the Gulf War in 1990. He then qualified for the military police and served in that role in Germany to support the war. He was also known to like shooting and was a good
1: marksman after taylor finished his stint in the national guard he was ordained as an elder into the lds church he wasn't that elder however he was 19 years old and this would be his first step to priesthood taylor then headed out on a missionary trip with other young members of the lds church they went to brazil to spread the message of the church while on the trip taylor's personality reportedly changed According to author Robert Scott, who spoke with a missionary who was there, Taylor stayed up most of the night studying the Book of Mormon and writing in his journal about the, quote, last days. Uh-oh. Wind chime. <laughs> Taylor believed that the so-called last days would bring the end of technology and that people would have to fend for themselves. So he's a 2 Y2Ker. That makes sense. He liked to talk about the upcoming apocalypse, and the second coming of Christ, which he believed would be soon. I am going to to posture mm-hmm. that being on a mission trip in Brazil, trying to convert people to Mormonism, mm-hmm. is already a pretty hard time. Yeah, You don't need Taylor gabbing on about the end of the world as well. And telling you off every time you say fuck. Yeah, or have a wank. Le- leave us alone, Taylor. <laughs> and he also believed that the LDS Church's leadership would, quote fall into the hands of the Warrior Prophets or, as I've just renamed them now, Ninja Philosophers. Ooh. Dangerous. Dangerous. I, Dangerous. To be honest, Children of Thunder goes with Warrior Prophets, Ninja Philosopher. He's got the branding on point. Exactly. Sword magician. He knows not what strong. you're doing. He knows what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. It's how you get the kids in is uh, throwing stars uh-huh. and snappy nips. And it helps when you are also a literal child. Yeah, yeah, that would... Uh, and they've got nothing else to do in Brazil. The one-man focus group. <laughs> <laughs> what we need is some warrior profits.
0: Coming up, we'll get into how Taylor Hells's experience at large group awareness programs inspired him to create his own program called Transform America and how he came to declare himself a prophet.
1: Hi listeners, it's Vanessa from the Parcast series Mythology. Every Tuesday, join me on a wondrous journey back in time. Exploring the most epic battles, sweeping love stories, and harrowing adventures ever told. Heroes, gods, monsters, mayhem, this podcast has it all. From the Knights of the Round Table and Hori the Hunter to Paradise Lost and the Lost City of Atlantis. Each episode of Mythology dramatizes history's greatest stories, bringing their origins to life and giving insight into how our ancestors saw the universe ancient myths modern twists catch new episodes of mythology every tuesday and binge the classics anytime listen free only on spotify so let's get into how taylor helzer's fascination with the large group awareness movement inspired him to develop his own program in the early 90s, Taylor, Justin, and other members of the
0: Helzer family got into the movement called Group Awareness. They attended a couple of different courses in Utah. The classes have been described by some as authoritarian and intense. The staff at one class would allegedly teach people to hate themselves until they learned to love themselves, which reportedly made some people break down. Sounds like drama school. <laughs>
1: That's exactly what they do. <laughs> and then they all start a Theatre Collective. <laughs> what was the one? Saru and I play a game when we're on holiday. We've recently been <laughs> in Bali. It's called the couples game, where we'll just point out people walking past us. And we've recently, not recently now, but like we used to just tell their story, right? We just used to make up. But now we've added a new layer, which means you have to tell the story in the style of. So Saru had three people who walked past us. In Bali, and she had to tell their story in the style of Sweeney Todd, and she did an excellent job. And the people in the story started a political theatre collective, mm-hmm. which was called. It was called the Hangman's Knife. Ah, great! Some of your best work that you know, just just great stuff. Great stuff. <laughs> that's what. That's the what. The Children of Thunder. That's their collective that they'll start. It will be that.
0: So it's been said that attendees of these classes would have to reveal their deepest secrets. And then, they would be made fun of. Yeah, drama school. Sounds about right. Trainers allegedly made fun of people's disabilities, financial troubles, and other embarrassing things.
1: Still drama school. In
0: 1993, Taylor married a woman that he'd gone to high school with. Her name was Anne, and she converted to the LDS church for him. But their marriage got off to a rocky start. Because Taylor controlled the relationship and wanted things to go his way.
1: Also in 93, Taylor got a job as a stockbroker. uh-oh it's even worse than a priest in my opinion. and he had around 150 clients. By 1997, some say that Taylor had started to smoke and go to nightclubs and he had also reportedly tried weed, cocaine, and ecstasy. Not
0: very more many of you.
1: No, but very stockbrokery of mm-hmm. you. I saw a tweet that was like a list of red flags in men. And the most like upvoted one is that his favorite film is The Wolf of Wall Street. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's fair. Topped only by his favorite director being Quentin Tarantino. I think that is a big fat red flag run. But Taylor is creating red flags all of his own. It was around this time when he started to question the doctrines of the LDS church. And he also separated from Anne. According to Claire Booth's book, Taylor told a therapist that he was disappointed that Anne wouldn't please him sexually. He also said that he wanted to go back to Brazil where he would collect at least 80 women. And from that group of women, he would choose 35 of them to date. And then he would whittle that group down to the women that he wanted to enter into a two year contract with for daily sex. And by 1998, perhaps unsurprisingly, Taylor had been excommunicated from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, not because of his uh, woman collecting plans. No, that's all part and parcel. Yeah, uh, it was because of his substance abuse. Mm.
0: It was also in 98 when Taylor started dating a woman called Kerry Furman. They moved in together, along with Justin and two other people. Around this time, Taylor went on mental disability from his job and reportedly got them to pay him during this period. Taylor was allegedly the only one in the shared house who didn't work. But he still insisted that everyone live by his rules, which included working and earning an income. So that's very convenient. According to Robert Scott's book, Taylor told Kerry that he wanted to start a counselling group to help people in their relationships. He wanted to call the group Intimacy. It's actually um, a play on words because when it's said
1: quickly, it kind of sounds like intimacy. (sighs) Help. I have no help. I only have things that are going to make it worse, I'm afraid. Taylor's intimacy group focused around something that Taylor called the 12 principles of magic. And he came up with this all by himself, apart from the number 12, obviously, which is all the way through the Bible. And here are but a few of his 12 principles as described in Claire Booth's book. Are you ready mm-hmm. to have your life ruined? Please. Or changed, or bettered, who knows? <laughs> Children of thunder. I am already perfect, and therefore, can do nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as right or wrong. I am all-powerful, and therefore the creator of, and accountable for, everything that occurs in my life. It is of no concern to me how accurate or inaccurate my perceptions are, and therefore, I am always right. Unconditional, fearless love is the most powerful force in the universe. This one's my personal favourite. Spirit knows. Just that. Just that. Next up, I gain control by losing all control. And then finally, the one we have here, there is a higher person than mine, and that is my saviour, Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. a last, day. Please, Hannah, tell me your 13th principle that you would add to make this the Hannah Maguire pattern-pending. Pattern-pending, pattern-pending, pattern-pending. I've got two. Shh, hit me. Okay, first ones, and I, I do believe that these are words to live by. Mm-hmm. No waste men, no road men, no fuck boys. Fair. My 14th principle. Mm-hmm. Dick is abundant and low value. Mm-hmm. And that that's how I live my life. I think um,
0: those are good good <laughs> points to go by. What have by. you got? Oh, I wasn't thinking about anything <laughs> while you were reading those out to me. So you gave us two. You okay. gave us two. You, which one do you want? Um, I'll go with the first one. (laughs) Taylor told the people living in their house that his principles of magic were the house rules. He even turned them into a poster and hung them on the wall. Presumably that's the kind of arts and crafts thing you've got time for when you don't have a job. Yep. And it was also around this time when he declared to his brother Justin that he was a prophet of God. To help raise money for his business venture, he asked Kerry to dance nude at a club. She did this and later claimed that she made between $500 to $1,000 a night. Taylor was also reportedly selling ecstasy at raves during this period. He eventually moved on from his Into Me C group and started to talk about something that he called Transform America. Claire Booth writes in her book that Transform America was going to be a group therapy type of organization where people could rescue their inner child which would free them from, quote, self-constructed emotional prisons.
1: There are a lot of people flogging exactly that. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Taylor wanted everyone in America
1: to go through one of his courses, though. He didn't want you going to the other people flogging it. <laughs> to get Transform America off the ground, Taylor said that he would need three core people to run his group. Those people were obviously Taylor, Kerry and Justin. He reportedly said that to spread his message, he would need... The mere pittance of $20 million for his project. He allegedly toyed with the idea of an escort club, but it didn't go anywhere. By the end of 1999, Kerry and Taylor's relationship started to go downhill. Taylor reportedly believed that Kerry wasn't following his 12 principles, and spirit knows. And Kerry was also having her doubts about Taylor. Eventually, she left him. Yeah, it's all pretty classic. Yeah, it's a... Devolving at a faster rate than some, I would argue, Mm -hmm, but um, mm -hmm. it's definitely following a pattern. Yeah, and I think it's devolving at a faster rate than usual because he is
0: incredibly lazy. (laughs) Yes. Compared to some of the other more industrious cult leaders we've come across.
1: Up next, we'll get into how Transform America turned into a murder plot – and the creation of the Children of Thunder. So, let's get into how Taylor Helzer turned his awareness group into the murderous Children of Thunder. And we're about halfway through, I wonder
0: how drunk everyone is. (laughs) On Memorial Day 1999... Taylor and Justin met a woman called Dawn Godman at a murder mystery dinner held in an LDS church in Walnut Creek, California. Name a more
1: made-up Christian name than (laughs) Dawn Godman. Godman. (laughs) My name's Joshua Bibleford. (laughs) That's ridiculous. (laughs) So Dawn
0: Godman grew up in a devout Pentecostal family. In her late teens and early 20s, Dawn went through some turbulent years. She struggled with substance abuse, got married and divorced, and attempted suicide. Dawn was then introduced to the LDS church and was eventually baptized into it. So with Kerry now out of the picture, Taylor needed a third person for his core Transform America group. And he decided that Dawn should be that third person. Taylor told Dawn about Transform America, And she later recalled that Taylor told her that the group would bring, quote, the perennial reign of Christ, and that peace and joy would replace chaos and war. But Taylor, while he was spouting off all this peace and love and joy and perennial reign of Christ stuff, also had other plans. According to Dawn, he now said that he was going to defeat Satan and that he was going to become the prophet of the LDS church. To achieve this, he was allegedly going to train orphans from Brazil to kill the leaders of the LDS Church.
1: Cocaine is one hell of a drug. I mean, truly. It was about this time that the trio gave themselves the name Children of Thunder. And it was inspired by Sons of Thunder in the Bible. And Sons of Thunder is the name that Jesus gave to the apostles James and John, who were also brothers. James and John are particularly important in Mormon ideology, philosophy, whatever, because along with other apostles, they were given the keys to Christ's ministry and they would eventually bestow them upon Joseph Smith. I see. James, I can't remember what James does. John writes a gospel. No, I I don't even think they did that much Christian outreach. I don't know if they did that much converting. They had too cool a name. They were off... Banging chicks, probably. <laughs> James and John. Yeah, children. Pussy of magnets. <laughs> Sons of Thunder. <laughs> for the Children of Thunder to successfully complete their mission and prevent the apocalypse, Taylor reportedly said that some people might need to be killed in the process. He twisted a small section of the Bible to justify the act of killing. They still needed some money for their mission, so Taylor came up with a plan to extort money from his former finance clients. He chose an elderly couple to target. They were called Annette and Ivan Steinman. On July the 30th, 2000, Justin and Taylor kidnapped the Steinmans and forced them to write checks totaling around $100,000. And the brothers then brutally murdered them. Again, lazy. They don't even try to con
0: this old couple. They just <laughs> kidnap them, force them to do it and then murdered them. Yeah, yeah. To safely deposit the money, Taylor is said to have asked his then-girlfriend, Selena Bishop, to open up bank accounts in her name. But it was also speculated that it could have been someone pretending to be her. According to Selena's co-worker, Taylor had told her that he was about to inherit some money that he wanted to hide from his ex-wife. On August 3rd, the trio killed Selena because they wanted to stop her from potentially giving information that might lead to Taylor's arrest. After killing Selena, Taylor and Dawn then killed Selena's mum and one of her friends who were both at Selena's apartment that night. Taylor used a gun that was bought in his brother's name. Again, I understand they're trying to like tie up the loose ends, they're like we'll mm-hmm. kill anybody who could give us away. But he's killing his girlfriend. You are going to be the number one suspect.
1: Yeah, but God's on his side
0: That's true That's true He's no Dawn Godman No But God is still on his side He's not even a Joshua Bibleford And just as I predicted Taylor, Dawn and Justin Were very quickly connected to the murders After police found a minivan Belonging to the Steinmans Inside the vehicle The police found fingerprints Belonging to Justin and Dawn They're really just very lazy aren't they? Just do a bit of cleaning up mate
1: God's supposed to do that
0: Uh, Bummer then, on August 7, 2000, police raided the Children of Thunder's house. Justin and Dawn were arrested and initially charged with drug possession after police found ecstasy in the house. Taylor attempted to escape by running to a nearby house. Again, so lazy, run further. <laughs> and when he got to this house, he threatened a woman and demanded a getaway car. But the police soon caught up with Taylor and arrested him.
1: Presumably all that weed smoking had really damaged his lung capacity and yes. it just wasn't that quick. It's just like, oh my God. Yeah. Children of thunder, maybe. Lightning <laughs> speed, absolutely not. And
0: this same week, police found the dismembered bodies of Selena Bishop and the Steinmans in a river. Their remains had been put into several duffel bags.
1: Justin was 28 years old at the time of his arrest. He was eventually convicted on 11 counts, which included murder, extortion and kidnapping and was sentenced to death in 2005. In 2013, Justin took his own life in his prison cell at San Quentin Prison. Glenn Taylor Helzer pleaded guilty to killing Selena Bishop, the Steinmans, Selena's mum, and her friend. He was sentenced to five death sentences and is currently in prison in California. Dawn Godman took a plea deal and testified against the brothers for a lighter sentence. She was given 25 years in prison for the murders, as well as an additional 12 years and eight months for other charges related to the murders. She's eligible for parole in 2024. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala, and we'll be back next week with another great episode. We just want to mention that for today's episode, we referenced the books Unholy Sacrifice by Robert Scott and The False Prophet, Conspiracy, Extortion and Murder in the Name of God by Claire Booth. We also found articles in San Francisco Gate, East Bay Times, CBS News and People to be helpful to our research.
0: Remember to follow Sinister Societies on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. You can listen to this and all other episodes of Sinister Societies for free exclusively on Spotify.
1: And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if you like us and if you like learning about books books that get people killed, mm-hmm. you can come on over to The Mothership Red-Handed, where we have recently done an episode on the satanic verses and the fatwa that was issued against Salman Rushdie. But not only Salman Rushdie, the author of the book, anyone who was involved in the translation or the publication of said book was fatwa by Atollah Khomeini, the then leader of Iran. And uh, bad stuff, bad stuff, bad times. One of the translators was murdered and we get into, is it really fine to be that upset about a book that's a novel? Uh, answer is no the answer is
0: no (laughs) but for a more um, elaborate answer come listen to Red Handed wherever you listen to your podcast, and we'll see you everywhere all the time never-endingly forever until then goodbye
1: goodbye Sinister Societies is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parkast it's produced by Kristen Acevedo Gemma Waters and Tracy Levy sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Jamie Ryan Production assistance by Ron Shapiro. Research by Chelsea Wood. Fact-checking by Laurie Siegel. And we're your hosts, Hannah Maguire and Saruti
0: Bala.